I was trying to think about how I wanted to uh, begin the final, the final uh, series, and um, well, this is what came to mind. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. Yeah, thank you. I, I practice. Um, uh. <laughs> now, 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 listen, before you turn to the person you invited to church that actually showed up and say, I don't know, what's, our pastor lost his stinking mind, listen, just hang with me. Hang with me, because I want to I wanna talk about this, because Wherever the home on the range happens to be, and whatever range refers to, whether it's free range, mountain range, gas range, uh, shooting range, I just want to be where there never is heard a discouraging word. Wouldn't that be amazing? Come on, let me find that place. Has anybody found that place? Just curious. Anybody ever found the place where never is heard a discouraging word? Well... Since I didn't hear anybody, got to figure it out. We got a message this morning, so this is going to be good. We're going to dive in because we're going to finish up. We started in James chapter 3 talking about the power of words. And, and what, we, what, we, what we did, we, we looked at the fact that, that just like uh, a fig tree will not produce anything but figs, it is ludicrous for the believer to think that our mouth has the ability that, that, that there's like two, like we speak at the right side and the left side. Like out of this mouth comes blessings, out of this side of the mouth comes curses. You know, Paul, Paul's like, no, that's, or I'm sorry, James says that makes absolutely no sense. And so what we looked at early in the series is that James, is, is, is that James unveils this whole thing that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be looking at, at what Paul says in Ephesians 4, because we shifted last week, we jumped into Ephesians 4, and um, what, what we've done is we've, we've just, we've laid the groundwork. And what I love about, what I love about especially Paul, the Apostle Paul's epistles, Ephesians is one of the letters that he wrote, is that he'll introduce at the very beginning the theology, the big point, the truth that he wants us to grasp. And, and then at some point, whether it's the last chapter or, for instance, like in the, in the book of Romans, uh, the letter of Romans, it's, it's the last four chapters, um, he actually switches and, and he moves to application. So what I love about Paul, he's very practical. He's not just teaching the early church, here's what we believe. He's also transitioning and saying, this is what it looks like in real life. And so if you're ever wondering, okay, so how, how can you tell when he's transitioning? Well, you can look at the subject matter, but almost always he uses this word, therefore. And what therefore is therefore is, is so we understand as a result of what we believe, this is how we should live. And so in, in, in Ephesians, the first, the first uh, three chapters, Paul introduces the fact that, man, we are the church. We are all one body, and, and it doesn't matter whether you're Jew, whether you're Greek, Gentile. Man, 
if we are in Christ, we are one. And this was groundbreaking truth. This was, this was brand new because the Jews, had, you know, they were the only ones. They thought they were the only ones. And, and what he's saying is, is no, because of Christ, in Christ, we are all one. He begins this incredible letter with, with Ephesians chapter 1. And the phrase that shows up time and time again is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. The whole point is in Christ, we are family. Now, what does that mean? If we're all family, how should we live? Well, what, what he does, and we looked at this last week, we jumped right into verse 17 of chapter 4. We're not going to walk the way we used to walk. We're not going to live the way we used to live. In fact, he also spends quite a bit of time emphasizing that we're not going to talk the way we used to talk. And so last week we broke down uh, that, that what God is teaching us, what, what Paul breaks down in Ephesians 4, is that there are times that God wants us to shut up, right? And there are times that God wants us to speak up. And so we talked about, you know, the, the, the shut up part. And so like right now, like everybody's like, yeah, we were here. No, not everybody was here. Like some of you, I'm just bringing you in the, the loop here. We talked about you know, there, there are some things that we just got to drop and we've got to stop that corruptible speech, the deceptive speech, uh, profanity and all of that. And then I just started to jump into what it looks like to speak up, what, what that means. And, and remember the four phrases I said that everybody needs to hear. Anybody just shout it out. I love you. That was the first one. I'm proud of you. I see in you. Yes, I see this in you. There was a fourth one. I'm sorry, man, you guys get it 100%, way to go. You guys nailed it. Good job. Well, I'm going to come back because I ran out of time. I got long-winded last week, and so I ran out of time, and, and so I'm going to pick up this, but I just want you to be aware this is going to just be the gospel in blue jeans today. And what I mean by that, this is, I, I, want, I want us to talk about what it looks like to live this tomorrow. And so I want us to pick up our reading in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. We, we read these verses last week, but I want to close out the end of the chapter as we read, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I'm gonna, I, I rarely do this, but I'm going to spend a lot of time just focusing on verse 29. We, we hit a lot of, of the other surrounding verses. I want to come back to verse 29. And so if you're taking notes, I just want to let you know where we're going. Big point alert. Here we go. It's, it's this. If you don't hear anything else, make sure we understand this. The believer's speech has clearly defined guardrails. The believer's speech has clearly defined guardrails. Now, last week we talked about what we put away. When I'm, when I'm looking at the guardrails today, these are in the proactive. This is what we're called to. You see, we're called to walk in love, but just a few verses earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, we're also called to talk in love. This is part of this. And so, so there, are, there are two guardrails. The first guardrail that I want us to, to look at here Comes from, comes from verse 29, and that guardrail number one is this, a believer's speech is to be purposeful, is to be purposeful, not careless, but, but, but intentional. 
You know, one of my, one of my favorite descriptions of a guy is found in, in, in 1 Samuel in which Samuel, the prophet, is described as this. It's talking about how he matured after, after he had an encounter with God. It's said that not one of his words fell to the ground. Now, that's a pretty powerful description of somebody. There's not a single word that falls to the ground. Every word matters. And so I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering if, if on a, in a very practical way, what if, as believers, our speech was purposeful, intentional, not, not careless? What could God do? You see, here in verse 29, as, as Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, he, he puts this word in there, only, he puts this word only, and, and what we see here are, are some clearly defined boundaries, only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And so this word only is, 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 is providing these, these boundaries. And, and so what, what we're going to be hitting here requires that, that you and I are growing in wisdom. Now, here's what I love. Man, I love the gospel, right? I, I mean, to me, one of my favorite things to do is to preach the gospel, this, this incredible fact that, that though we were sinners, we're born sinners, like, like this room is filled, every person in this room, guess what? You were born a little sinner, like, like if you just had a baby and you're holding that little baby, that little sweet baby, born sinner. I'm like, we're all, we're born this way, but we're, we're born fallen. But what I love that the gospel tells us is that, man, God provided a way for, for people like you and I who are far, man, who are far from God to be brought near to God. That there is a way for us to be saved. There is a way for, for us to be forgiven. And that, that happens through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So our, our confidence is not in the fact that I'm going to work harder. It's in the fact that God has worked enough. His work is enough. And so I want to be really clear as we jump into this application part, I am going to emphasize the responsibilities that we have. But I want to be very, very clear about something. When I'm, what I'm challenging us to today is not a means to attaining salvation and making God, uh, you know, making God happy enough with us that he'll forgive us. This, this has nothing to do with this because, God, because Christ has done the work. But, but, I, but I want us to understand that we do have responsibilities, however. And, but the beautiful, the beautiful part of this is that we are going to fulfill these responsibilities not because we're that good and we're that strong and all that sort of thing, because we've also been changed. Our heart has been changed. Because while we're talking about watch your mouth, what we know is that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is what Christ said. And so, changed speech begins with a changed heart. And, and, and so, I just want to make sure that, that we understand that, that what I'm talking about, it's, it's, it's predicated upon this, I, this, this fact and reality that we have been changed thanks to the work of Jesus Christ. Now, that being the case, what I love is that God doesn't just change us and he like, you know, you know the, the magic touch and you're good, you know, not, you're, you're exactly, you're perfect now. Like, I mean, are you, anybody here, like, experience that? Like, when you got saved, you were instantly made perfect? Yeah, I didn't think so. I'm either, right? And so, so like, that's, that's not the case. 
What he does is he begins to change us and we begin to grow in godliness. We begin to live out, we begin to grow in such a way that, that slowly but surely we're, we're being made like Christ, but it's a process. It's a, it's a daily walk of grace. We need grace when we're saved. We need grace as we walk. We've got to be changed. And so, so this, this work that he's doing, this, this transformational work that he's doing, it, it changes a lot. But, but one thing that I love is that, that a growing walk with God produces wisdom. Now, wisdom's gained a lot of different ways. Like, like, some, like there's some things you just learn aren't wise to do by experience, right? I mean, we've all, we've all been there. In fact, like, God allows many things to be part of our sanctification, both practically, spiritually, and in a lot of different areas. But one of the things that he'll, he'll do is he will grow us into wisdom. And, and, and what we've got to understand is that what I've been talking about is we're talking about watching the mouth, purposeful speech. This is going to happen as we grow in wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is making the right call, doing the right thing, even if there are no clear moral laws telling, explicitly telling us what to do. And so what it does is it develops a godly intuition. And God begins to do this, and it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in changing us. Because most of us are very, very self-centered, right? I mean, we're thinking about what affects me, what impacts my family, and all of that sort of thing. That is, that is what, by default, we're going to go to. The Spirit goes, goes, goes about changing us in such a way that we become more intuitive to even the needs around us. And he begins to change the way we talk in such a way that we embrace what Paul is saying here. Okay, here's the deal. If we are one, if we're the church, if we are for to walk and talk and love, what's it look like? Well, first of all, it looks like building each other up. And there's a number of ways that we do this. It happens, it, you know, there, there, there's all kinds of different examples of speech that builds up. For instance, one of them is affection. We talked about that how every person needs to hear those words, I love you. Do you know, can I just pause? That is so true. Now, now, now love, listen, actions speak louder than words. Like you can say the words and then do something totally different. Like, yeah, right, those were just very shallow, empty words. But can I tell you that when, when a, a, a life that, that shows that love is real, is accompanied by those words, I love you, that produces incredible fruit. There's a reason why James says the mouth is a source of life. It literally gives life to the hearer. And another way in which we build up, and, and this is what, remember, he's writing to an early church that's made up of diverse people, people from all different walks of life. A another way in which this speech builds up, what's this look like? It looks like encouragement. I've got your back on this. You can do this. I'm, I'm proud of you. Did you know there's something powerful when the family of God embraces the responsibility that we have to one another? And instead of, of, of only being there in times of crisis, there's some, something such as proactive encouragement. It's funny because nearly every Sunday I get a, a perfect example of this. Every Sunday morning, I... I'm trying to think, I can't remember the last time this did not happen. I will have someone 
randomly from, and, and uh, just friends, you know, from literally around the country will text me. In fact, it just happened today. My pastor grew up attending his, his church. He's retired from, from uh, ministry. I say that. You never really retire from ministry. He's still doing incredible things for God. But this morning, uh, sent me a text. Hey, Keith, just want you to know as you preach this morning, I'm praying for you. I've got your back. I've got a, I've got a guy that's, a, that's a, a university president that will just randomly send me, a, send me a, a text on Sunday mornings. Just want you to know I'm praying for you as you preach. I'm praying for your congregation. There's a, there's a guy here in town. I love Rep Barden. He pastors over at One Life here in town. He and I are friends. I think... You know, you think that I'm on fire. I think this dude drinks more coffee than I do. I'm just telling you, like, like even when he texts, he texts with like seven exclamation points or whatever. But he'll, he'll send me a text, Keith, just want you to know I'm fired up for what God's going to do at Grace Bible Church. And, and I know I'm shouting when I say that, but it's like all caps, all exclamation points. And, but I'm like, come on, man. There's something powerful that happens when, when we allow God to change us in such a way that we're not only concerned with who I am and where I'm at, we're also concerned with each other. We speak the, the truth. We, we share this love with each other. But you know, there's another part of building up that we don't think about that I think sometimes we might even run from because we don't think it's building up. And this is a word of challenge. It's a word of challenge. You know what, guys? I, I want desperately to, to experience fully what, what it looks like when, when, man, the people of God love each other enough that we learn how to speak the truth in love. You know, there's a powerful thing that happens. And man, I'm so thankful for so many here in our congregation that you model this well for me because I screw this up a bunch. But there is something powerful that happens when we love someone enough that we'll say, hey, man, I'm concerned about this. There's something that's not right. There's something that's off here. Or because we care, we, we challenge, we, we ask questions, not in this, hey, man, hate you, think you're doing a terrible job, but in a, love you, bro, I've got your back, and I want you to make it. You know, I've, I, I'm so thankful for the, for the men that God has put in my life that unwaveringly hold me accountable. I'm so thankful for the guys who, who do not care what my title is. They honestly, they can care less how many people attend a church, how much money's in the office. They do not care. They don't even care how good I preach or how bad I preach. Literally, they're concerned about me. And they, they are willing to get in my face and, and call me out. Man, I value this. And, and what I know is when Paul is saying that this whole thing, building one another up, there's something powerful that happens when we challenge. Now, let's be honest. This, this, kind, of, this kind of challenge, it requires a relationship. Like if you just like, like, hey, I'm taking him up on this and I'm gonna walk out of the lobby after service. Hey, bro, I don't think we met, but man, how's your devotional life? I mean, it's probably not gonna go well, right? Like, freak, get out of my face. So I get that, right? Now, I'm talking about where we love, we care, we understand we're part of this, we're part of this body. You know, and I will say this, if God has given you influence in the life of someone else, if there is a relationship, there is friendship there, you've, you have to embrace the opportunities that God has given you with your words. Because here's the thing, because of the influence you have in your life, your words matter and they carry weight. And if you're not going to say it, who's going to say it? 
See, it's, it's time for us to, to stop settling for this, this surface idea of peace where nobody, you know, nobody gets their feelings rough or whatever, and where we're just, you know, we're always nervous about that, and to actually care enough that we challenge. One of the, one of the greatest, greatest, probably top five moments, one of the greatest moments I've ever been part of was when my son graduated from high school. He was getting ready to leave for college. And I, I just did this on a whim. I invited 10 or 11 guys that had invest, invested in Trey's life across the years to be part of this time, and I said, listen, I just want you to share with him. We're going to pray together before we leave. And, and that night, for over an hour, every single one of the guys that showed up, first of all, they, they, uh, they affirmed my kid. They said, man, here's what we see in your life. And, and here, man, we, we see this, this potential. God has gifted you in this area. I, I love that, man. But every single one of them challenged my son. Some of them challenged him, hey, listen, here's an area in which I want to challenge you to raise the bar. Here's, here, here's, here's an area that can be a tendency for, for, for you to stumble. And, and then when we prayed and, and we, just, we just had this thing said, hey, you are no longer a boy, you are a man. My son walked away from that. He told me, actually, he just told me this year, he said, there's never been a more impactful day in my life than when those guys did that for me. They stepped up and they embraced the responsibility. They took advantage of the influence that God had given them to build my son up, not just through encouraging him, but to challenge him. My question is this, what keeps you back? I just want you to ask yourself this question. What keeps you from being that kind of friend? What is it right now that is keeping you from being a friend who's willing to not only express affection not only to encourage, but a friend who cares enough to challenge. You see, there are going to be times in which we need to express comfort. Sometimes what we'll find is that God does not want you to have great words in the midst of a tragedy. You are not going to be able to take away somebody's pain when they've lost somebody close to them, but you being present and just saying, I've got your back is what it takes. There are times in which you're going to speak words of instruction, one of, the greatest, one of the greatest things when we're talking about what's this practically look like to build up, to speech that is purposeful, that speech that builds up, one of the most powerful things that you and I can do is to live out 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. And if you can say these words, th- th- this is powerful. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And you're like, well, that sounds really arrogant to say those words. No, it's not. Because first of all, there's a qualifier on there. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. If I'm not imitating Christ, don't imitate me. But, but, but that's, that's the qualifier. But, but then what I, what I love is it raises the bar and it, and it says, man, I want you to follow the example that you see in me. And th- th- there have been times I've had to embrace this. I, I will tell you, it's a lot easier for me to just preach and then to walk out of here and, and you know, if I didn't have a relationship with anybody, yeah, it'd be easy. I can, anybody can say words. But, but when, it, when it's words that, that are attached to, to living a life worthy of example, guys, this is what we're called to. And this is what Paul is saying, man, as a church, if we're in this together, here's the theology, we're all one in Christ. If that's the case, walk and talk in love. Okay, so what's that mean? Here's what it looks like. Build one another up. Part of that's going to be instruction. One thing I did for my, uh, for my kids and I'm passing this on. By the way, if, you, if it sounds like I'm like doing everything right, it's because I have a few examples. Like, 
this is a lot of areas in which I've screwed up. My kids will be in therapy, so we all get that, right? So we're, we're in this. But no, when, when, when my, when my uh, sons turn 13, my daughter turns 13, uh, we, we, we have this thing where we take them out. So like Trey, he turned 13. I took him out. I'm like, okay, bro, uh, you're going to get a real haircut. Like we're not doing your mom scalping you before the summer where you're going to, you know, like, and we'll let your hair just do whatever it wants. No, we're going to go out. And so we went out and uh, took him to, uh, you know, he thought it was a nice hair play, like a sports clips. You know, he like, oh, dude, man, they like put a hot towel and everything. Yeah, man. Welcome. Here we go. And, and, and then, then we, uh, I, I said, we're going to Texas Roadhouse. Well, I actually let him pick the restaurant, and he said, Texas Roadhouse, I said, you can order anything you want on the menu. You tell a 13-year-old kid they can order anything you want, you know what he, you know what he did? He did not look at what he was getting. He was looking at the price. Hmm, that one. He got something big enough. He could eat off that thing for three days, which he did, but he got it. So I told him, I said, I'll get whatever you want. The only thing is, if you're going to buy steak, you cannot, you cannot get that thing well done. I will smack you right here, right now. You will do that medium rare or you're no son of a... No, I'm teasing. I didn't say that. But no, then what I did, we, we, we left the restaurant and uh, uh, we, we drove... Actually, started at the restaurant, but then we, we drove to place and I, I pulled over and said, okay, man, here's the deal. You're becoming a young man. And I said, so you've... You know, you've heard me teach some lessons across the way. I said, but it's time for the talk. And if you're thinking like the talk about sex, that was not it because we started that like when my kids are 10 and I've always told them it's not a talk. It's like, we're going to keep talking about this time and time and time again. That's, but no, this was the talk of here are the expectations of what it looks like to be a young man. You're not, you're not a kid anymore. And, and so we just talked about, you know, what it looks like to, to make your bed. What it, what, what it means to actually comb your hair. What deodorant was actually designed for? <laughs> I mean, those are just like, these like really basic things. And what I did, what I did, I, I just, I just spelled, I said, hey, he, I'm not, I can't hold you to an expectation that hasn't been articulated. And so I, I'm just laying this down. You got to know, this is what I'm going to be looking for. But then I said something to him. I said, and here, but I said, more than that, I said, I'm going to call, I said, I will call you out. If, if you're not living up these expectations. I said, however, I don't want to just tell you what to do. I want, you to, I want to give you an example to follow. And I said, any time that I do not live up to any of this, you get to call me out. And he has called me out. I'm just telling you right now. But there's something about this. I told him, I said, what, I, I don't want to just hold you to standard I'm not, I'm not living up to. And, and I think about this. What if the church, that's who we became? What a, isn't this awesome? This is what God calls us to. To not just be a church that, that speaks empty words, but speaks words of life that is, that is attached to relationship, that is attached to, to saying, here's what I'm living. I'm living this out. This is what I'm talking about. This is purposeful speech, speech that builds up. There's also speech that gives grace. And I know I'm spending a lot of time here, but I think this is so important. Speech that, that gives grace. Speech that says, I forgive you. Speech that says, I'm sorry. Speech that, that says, I blew it. Speech that says, man, I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to give you a third chance. Can I, t guys, if, if, if God's people aren't people of grace, who is? Who is? Anybody here need grace? Dude, I need grace this morning. I need grace. Listen, 
There's a reason why I love the fact that, that, that our church founders, as part of it, when, when they made the decision to name this church, came up with Grace Bible Church. Thank God for that. We need grace. We're called to be dispensers of grace. And it's not just, usually, can I tell you that, 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 that doesn't begin with just actions. It also begins with the words. I forgive. Let's do it again. God's not done with you and neither am I. Man, this is what I'm talking about. Speech that builds up, speech that gives grace, speech that, that is purposeful. That's, man, it's, it's speech that witnesses did you know that your words matter? God will use us. Our words carry eternal weight. I want to make sure we understand this. And then, uh, David and Paula Kaji attend our church. Paula works in our finance office. And man, I love this couple. They've set, they set such a wonderful example. For over 50 years, David has prayed for a friend. And for, for over 50 years, David has been very purposeful with his speech. Now, he's not weird about it. They have a great friendship, great relationship. But over the last 50 years, David, time and time again, has, has shared the difference that God's made in his life. And, he's, and, and early on in their relationship, when, when he would share, his friend was like, no, nah, I don't want to hear that. No, don't, don't talk. That's, that's your deal. That's not my deal. Don't talk to me. David was like, cool. But, but he would take advantage of the opportunities for 50 years. And over the last several years, his friend is softened and he'll listen to him, but he always comes back to the same thing. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. That's, that's, that's your story. That's not mine. I, I, I don't believe like you do. This was about a year and a half ago. They were headed up to Washington, and I remember Paul ask, Paula asking our staff to pray. She said, we found out our friend has cancer, and we don't know how much time he has left, and so we're going to visit him. Could you just, could you just pray that... God would give us an opportunity that maybe this time he'll listen. So they, they, they drove all the way to Washington. David took advantage of the opportunity God gave him, gave him and, and again shared, shared his testimony. And they came back and I said, how'd things go? And she's like, I don't know. She said, you know, it kind of blew us, he blew David off again. But I heard this story months later. Dave, the Lord really laid on David's heart. I want you to write your friend and I just want you to share the basics of the, of, of the gospel. And that's what he did. He just wrote a letter and he said, hey, listen. He said, I'm not trying to be offensive with this. He said, I just, God has so changed my life. I want you to know what, what he can do for you. And, and he just very clearly but, but simply just outlined, and here's, here's what Christ did. Here's, here's, how, here's what it looks like to respond to this and here's why it matters. Never heard a word. Long story short, fast forward, just, just a couple of months ago, his friend died. And as you can imagine, you feel the weight. God, is there anything that I could have done, anything that I could have said? A few days after his friend dies, phone rings, and on the other side is, of the line is the daughter of his friend. The daughter is not a believer at all. And she says, David, do you recall, do you recall writing my dad a letter? And he said, yeah, actually, I do. I do recall writing a letter. She said, well, it's, I don't know what was on that letter. She said, but for the last few weeks that he was in the hospital, he read and reread that letter throughout the day. It was always within reach. 
She said, in fact, the last three days, he would not let go of that letter. And she said, when he died, that letter was on his chest. It was the last thing that he read. Now, here's the deal. I have no idea. We won't know until we get to eternity what the fruit of that letter was. All I know is that an ordinary guy, David would tell you he's nothing more than an ordinary guy, but just felt like God could use what he had to say, that let his speech be used. God used that. And guys, it's not up to us to determine the fruit. All we are to do is be faithful to steward the words of life that we have as the children of God. You see, we've been called to speak, to speak words that are purposeful, words that build up, words that give grace. And the last thing I'm gonna leave you with as we close this series is this. The second guardrail is this. Believer's speech is not just to be purposeful, but also to be timely, to be timely. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 3 that there's a time and a season for everything. And if you don't believe that, just get married. I'm gonna tell you right now, I have learned that there are, there are times to bring up what Lori and I like to call crucial conversations and when to keep your mouth shut. Now, when I got married, I just assumed that Lori saw everything the same way I saw it. And if not, she soon would. <laughs> Doesn't work that way because when it comes to having so-called crucial conversations. I like to get things, I, I like to talk fast, talk quick, let's get this thing taken care of and let's move forward. She has to process things. She thinks through things. She's quiet, so here's how we would approach things. I'd be like, hey, we need to talk. We really need to talk. She's like, we'll talk about it. No, we need to talk, seriously, we need to talk. I wanna get this taken care of. She's like, I said, we'll talk about it. And I'm like, woman, I mean, we're not gonna go, we can't, I can't go to bed angry. I, and she's like, I'm not going to bed angry, but I will if you keep telling me to talk. And then so finally, we just, we agreed on this little simple thing. We'll give it 48 hours. I know that within two, we, within two days, I'll, we'll talk about it. And she knows she has two days to work through it. It worked out great. But what I learned is that there, there's a time to talk and it's just a time to keep your mouth shut. You see, the, the, the timeliness, if, if the speaking purposeful speech takes wisdom, timeliness involves these two words, discernment and discretion. Discretion is, is knowing what you should say and what you should not say. Discernment is, is knowing when's the right time to say it. And, and, and the, apostle, the apostle Paul hits this. In fact, in Colossians chapter four, in another letter that, that Paul wrote, he, he put it this way. He said, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each, pers answer each person. Now I like that because I like salt. In fact, can I just, I mean, I'm just gonna, you know how pet peeve of mine is? Unsalted french fries. I just, like, seriously, like, I know that restaurants now are looking out for our health, but I hate it. Like, I used to go to McDonald's. Judge me. Somebody's going to McDonald's. I'm going to McDonald's. So, you know, you go through, and it used to be, man, you get the, it was so salty, and it was so good, and now it's like, and I don't care how much salt you put on after the fact, it's, it's the salt you put on when they come out of the fryer that makes it good. I love salt because it makes flavor pop. You're like, you're going to die of high blood pressure. I'll die happy. I love it. But you know, salt makes it pop, but you think about this. If, 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 if table salt can, can take something bland like just a, a 
plain potato and, and make it great like a French fry. Now, deep fry didn't hurt anything. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? If, if it can make that, think about what speech does. Speech, gracious speech can take, spe- can take our words and make it remarkable. God can use this. Can I tell you that there's something powerful about this? Speech also, I mean, soul also is used to prevent decay. Man, we're speaking words of life or death. Either, man, our speech is salty, not in that way, not that kind of salty speech. Either our speech is salty in the sense that, man, it's, it's, it's speaking life and, and it's, it's all about preserving the relationship and not, not decay. Listen, we have this opportunity, but, but I also think about, you know, there, there's something about this. Salt makes you thirsty. Salt makes you thirsty. I want you to know this as we close, that a person who speaks words of life who is purposeful with their speech will never have to worry about having somebody to talk to. We want to be around a person who speaks words of life. You know, our, our Next Gen team was at a, at a conference, and at the conference, uh, it, it was mostly, it was a junior high session, and in, in the conference, the speaker said, hey, have you ever had a junior high student that will just come and stand by you where you're having a conversation, and you don't know why they just came up and they're, they're standing right there, and they, they just won't leave, they're right there. He said, have, have anybody ever ha- had that happen? Like, and you'll say, do you need anything? You're like, no. <laughs> and, and like, he said, if you've ever had that happen, raise your hand. Matt said, every youth pastor in the room raised their hand. He said, would you like to know why that's happening? And you're like, yes, please. And they said, well, what happened? At some point, you laughed at one of their jokes. Or when they were hanging out with some of their friends, you actually complimented them in front of their friends. Or sometime when you, in passing, you said something that made them feel like you cared for them and they mattered. And they said, they don't even realize why they're doing it, but they're standing there because they're hoping you're going to say it again. And I've thought about, that's such a powerful illustration. How many of us could say that our speech is seasoned with salt so much so that thirsty people will come because they need to hear words of life? Here's what I was, I mean, I come back to this. If we're not saying these words as the people of God, nobody is. This is, it's, move past responsibility. I hate the whole legalistic type thing. This isn't, this isn't our responsibility. Guys, listen, this is our opportunity. Our mission is to unite people with Jesus Christ and help them take their next steps. But can I tell you, though your lives matter, it's amazing what God wants to do through your words. In southern Turkey, they're known for, they have large flocks of cranes uh, that they gather the, these, these birds. When, when they're young, especially as they fly, they're known for making loud, loud squawking noises, which, you know, isn't really a problem except for the fact that there are also eagles that live in that area. And so that's a problem because eagles prey on cranes. That's what they call supper. And, and so mature cranes, it's, it's something that, that they learn. God gives them this ability to discern because as they fly, they will naturally, by default, squawk. 
Make loud, annoying noises that let the eagles know supper's here. And what mature cranes have learned to do is they take a little stone and they put it in their beak, and that little stone keeps them from making those noises as they fly, allowing them to escape the attack of the enemy. As we were, as I was thinking about closing up this series, I, I like that, I like that thought. Because we do have an enemy who is listening to us. It's weird. There, there, there is someone who's listening to you at all times. Like, my kids don't listen to me, my spouse don't listen to me. Well, Satan's listening to you. Because he knows that if we're spewing words that, that, that are divisive, words that kill, words that destroy, he has an ability, he has an open door to wreak havoc in somebody's life. But just like we have an enemy who is listening to us speak, can I tell you that we have an advocate who is also listening to us speak? And it's not just that he's listening to us speak. We have an advocate, if you are a son or daughter of God, who is in the process of changing us in such a way that he's, he's changing our words. And instead, as James said, of us having a divided mouth out of one side's blessings, another side cursing, that's, that's ludicrous. He's changing us in such a way that our words are becoming, it's speech that gives life. And this advocate has given us, it has changed us in such a way, and he's given us the power with our words to, to be used for great good. In fact, get this, our advocate, Jesus Christ, is so for us, he's done everything in his power. He, he, he has done the work. He's, do, he, he's doing an, a continued work. The spirit of Christ is transforming us. He is changing us from the inside out. And here's the deal. He's going to use our speech for the upbuilding of his kingdom. What's our part? Our part is just to agree with him. He, he started the work. We get to participate in the work. That's why we did this series, Watch Your Mouth. Guys, let's understand the incredible blessing we've been given. We've been given the words of life. Let's share this, and let's trust God with the outcome. And so, Father, as we leave here today, I pray that you would use your people to speak your words. Dear God, as you change us from the inside out, I'm praying that, it, that we would understand it's not just changing our hands, our feet, any of our actions, it's also changing our mouth. And so, Lord, may we be intentional with the words. May we steward this responsibility well, and may we use our words for the upbuilding of your kingdom and for what you're going to do through your people as we live this out in faithful obedience to you. Well, thank you for this, and I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Guys, next week I'm kicking off a brand new series. I've never done a series like this, so you're going to have to show up, see what it's like. It's going to be great. We're going to have fun. Until then, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.